Welcome to Four Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with Colin McClellan, the CEO and founder of Digital Wildcatters. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Doing good. So tell me a little bit about Digital Wildcatters. You are a community dedicated to oil and gas, the, yeah. the industry itself. Yeah. What exactly does that mean when I describe community? Yeah, so Digital Wildcatters is a, a community-driven media company, and really we started challenging the status quo of a traditional industry in oil and gas, built this community of forward thinkers that are looking to provide new technological solutions to one of the biggest industries in the world. So oil and gas is obviously very important for uh, transportation and trucking specifically. Actually, all forms of transportation, yeah. um, except the Nikola hydrogen, yeah. uh, uh, which may or may never. We've been talking a lot about Nikola for the past couple of weeks, so it's been an entertaining story to say the least. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it has become very interesting. It, it, what has been the perspective in the oil and gas industry about the Nikola? Uh, hydrogen truck. Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's this uh, connotation that people in oil and gas don't want alternative energy or electric vehicles, and I think that's further from the case. I mean, everyone that I know that owns a Tesla is in the oil and gas industry, but a lot of people question the economics of electric vehicles, and then I think, you know, one problem that you have is, you know, Elon Musk is a very polarizing figure, so um, a, a lot of people's um, their attitudes towards electric vehicles are positive, but they're waiting for that first legitimate um, product or, or company to come out. So I actually know people in the oil and gas space that have, you know, they've had conversations with Nikola and um, Tesla about their electric uh, trucking uh, products. So there's a lot of interest in the, in the industry, but, you know, I think people are just kind of waiting for the right product or the right company to come out and produce something. Yeah, hydrogen fuel cells have gotten a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, if you're looking for alternative forms of uh, uh, power uh, of trucks, particularly hydrogen actually showed a lot of promise. Uh, I think Nikola, the value of the company and perhaps Trevor Milton's ego got ahead of the of the Absolutely. organization and ended up costing them because yeah. uh, they obviously uh, removed them. But getting back to digital wildcatters and uh, the oil and gas industry, oil and gas plays an important role in diesel transportation for trucking uh, as a major cost component. It's yeah. one of the, the largest cost, variable cost for trucking companies. It's also a big producer of freight demand in the industrial supply chain. Um, why should folks that are perhaps tuning into this particular show care about what happens in the oil and gas sector? It's funny, I always used to joke about when I was in the oil field, the amount of diesel consumption that we had. It's almost that you know, we had to have the oil and gas industry just to sustain our, our usage of, of diesel and hydrocarbons. Um, but you know, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head with logistics and shipping is a core component of oil and gas. And even on digital wildcatters, you know, we have a podcast called Oil and Gas Startups, and we've had plenty of startups come on there that are involved with shipping and logistics platforms. And you look at what's happened in oil and gas here in 2020, you know, we've had a double black Swan event, whether it was the oil pricing war between Saudi and Russia or uh, COVID, and you know, COVID just absolutely crushed um, demand for fuels. And so oil and gas companies are really looking at ways that they can become more efficient throughout the supply chain and logistics. You know, just off the top of my head, when you talk about trucking, you have saltwater disposal hauling, you have crude hauling, you know, all your frack equipment, all your frack spreads. I mean, trucking is a key component of oil and gas. So, you know, what we're seeing in the space is oil and gas companies and service companies are looking at how can they be more efficient across their assets and how can they increase uh, profit um, and, and something that's traditionally been, you know, a, a pretty low margin business. 
So you're bringing the oil and gas industry more upstream, as they describe it, or the folks that are producing the oil, yeah, uh, more on the uh, production and well uh, oriented part of the supply chain in the oil and gas industry. You're bringing those uh, individuals and executives and thought leaders together into this community and you've built this media brand around it. Yeah. Podcast, video cast. What, what, what takes, what do you guys talk about? What's of uh, top of mind for folks that are in the industry? Yeah, you know, I think that oil and gas is very unique in, in that we've had this great crew change. So we had this we had this gap in the workforce between the boomers and the millennials. There weren't a lot of people from Gen X. So all of a sudden you have 30 to 35-year-olds that are taking senior-level positions in these oil and gas companies, and they're demanding new technology. And so that's what we've really built the core of our business on is, you know, providing this community and essentially this think tank of how can we do things better in oil and gas, especially in a low-price uh, commodity environment, how can you increase efficiency and actually make this business profitable? Because if you look at any publicly traded oil and gas company over the last decade, I mean, it hasn't been pretty. Uh, a lot of these oil and gas companies aren't, aren't making money. So how can we do that? How can we make the oil and gas industry uh, profitable? How can we make it more efficient? And also, how can we make it cleaner and, and more sustainable? And so we've really done that in a non-traditional way. You know, people weren't doing podcasts and YouTube videos and, you know, they weren't holding, they were holding live events, but they're always in stuffy hotel conference rooms where, you know, we were doing it at a WeWork and, you know, we had beer and pizza and really just creating a, a culture of innovation in oil and gas. So it's interesting, you and I started talking, uh, you had actually reached out to me and you said freight wave sounds like the digital wildcatters <laughs> of uh, the, the freight yeah. industry. And it's interesting because you and I have gotten to know each other and I think that's true, like based on what you've talked about your model. Uh, bringing the community together, going after uh, traditional media in the space that perhaps uh, was on a slower cadence, less digital, less focused on technology. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of sort of sentiment in freight media that technology is bad and the venture capital back companies are frauds. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think there's maybe some truth in some of that. We've talked about Nicola uh, as an example, but there's also a, a lot of truth that there's innovation is helping move the industry forward and, and incumbents must adapt. I'm curious in the oil and gas industry, because someone who doesn't know a ton about the oil and gas industry itself, I, I would assume that it, it's an old school industry but you're talking about a lot of technology that's coming into it. How, how big is the uh, venture community pouring in capital into this, this, this industry? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about one of the most traditional industries in the world. And back in 2016, I saw that these oil and gas companies were making $100 million decisions based on Excel spreadsheets. And not only did I see that, but a lot of startup founders saw that. And so that's why you started seeing all these startups, uh, both digital and physical hardware companies start butting up and the ecosystem's growing every day. And now you're starting to see um, venture capital firms that are dedicated to energy. You know, I had a, a VC fund the other day that reached out to me. They just closed an $820 million fund and they have a primary focus on energy tech and one of those verticals within energy tech is oil and gas. So I think that we're in the early innings of oil and gas tech and clean tech as a whole. Now clean tech's a super hot yeah. Yeah. VC because I think venture capitalists are always trying to figure out how to make the world better. They like to believe it, they're making the world better. There's a lot of arguments on whether <laughs> that's always true. Every VC thinks uh, they Every are. VC <laughs> says that. Uh, they say a lot of stuff that, that necessarily isn't true. Like, I, we're VC-backed in fairness. We have a lot of VCs. I love our VCs. 
Um, and I love a lot of people that actually aren't investors and even passed on us that are in the venture community. But there's there's a lot of sort of a typical parody talk about you go to VC Twitter, they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. making fun of themselves, yeah, yeah. Um, and and rightfully so. But but I am curious. I mean, this intersection of oil and gas, obviously hydrocarbons are the most efficient way to distribute energy, and they still remain the most efficient mm -hmm. way. There's a lot of negative byproduct. Carbon emissions, obviously, uh, are obviously negative. You know, smog. It's a dirty business, if you will, yeah. in terms of sort of the byproduct of it. But we need it. You know, transportation companies need diesel. It's still very efficient for them. Where does the intersection, you, you touched on this earlier, of clean tech and oil and gas really live inside of this tech ecosystem that, that you've talked about? Yeah, I think the, the investors that are going to win in this space are the ones that think about the energy transition in a pragmatic manner. And so anyone that really understands energy consumption in the world understands that oil and gas is going to be around for the next century. It may look completely different. Even in the next 10 years, it may look completely different. But there's a pragmatic way to go about it. And so if you look at some of the technologies that we've had on the digital wildcatters platform, you have some, you know, I'll give a shout out to Power Century here. Power Century is looking at how can they um, reduce the energy consumption on a pump jack as it's pumping oil out of a well. And they found that with their technology, they can save an oil company 20 to 30 percent on their electricity usage. Now, if you look, I, I heard a stat somewhere that all electricity consumption in the world, 10% of it is used for extracting minerals out of the ground. So now if you can go to an oil company and you say, we can save you 20% on your electricity consumption, that's a pretty big dent in worldwide electricity consumption. And then not only that, are you telling this oil company, hey, I can improve your ESG score, but we're also gonna save you a ton of money on your biggest line, line item of your lease operating expenses for extracting hydrocarbons. So. You see a lot of technology that's coming in that can make oil, you know, today can make oil and gas cleaner and more sustainable. And you know, you have a ton of research and development coming around carbon capture and methane detection and things of that nature. So there's a lot that can be done in the next five to 10 years to make oil and gas more sustainable and cleaner. And then that you know, gives us time to figure out new uh, solutions for energy creation. Yeah. Oil and gas is an industry that is massive. In the US, production alone is about $400 billion. It's mm -hmm. quite big. It is one of the world's most, if not the world's most important commodity. Uh, it is, it's obviously very important. So there's always, we're always going to need some level of oil and gas, whether it's petrochemicals that do things like plastics to all the way to medicine to, to just powering our vehicles. So it's not going away. Yeah. Um, and I saw a chart that talked about just the progression of energy demand, even with all the sustainable a technology that people are implementing, there's still this continuous demand, increasing demand of oil and gas. I mean, is that, is that the perspective of folks that are in the industry? Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Yeah, you know, it, it's pretty well... Um the belief is that demand will keep growing at least until 2040. Um, you know, BP came out with a report last week saying that um, demand has peaked, but there's a lot of skepticism around that report. So the, the overall assumption is that demand will keep increasing. And I think a lot of people outside of oil and gas don't understand 
how much of our everything around us, you know, these clothes that we're wearing use petrochemicals, these, uh, the, the fabric on these chairs, that watch. Everything that's around us that's manufactured is petroleum-based. It's not just the fuel in our cars. So everyone, you know, if they look at Tesla and they say, oh, Tesla's going to take over market share in the next 20 years, that's going to kill oil and gas. Obviously, it'll put a big dent into the demand for hydrocarbons, but everything that we manufacture, I mean, the Tesla cars themselves, the, the plastics and, and uh, components that they use are petroleum-based, so there's still a demand for it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's kind of a big mission for digital wildcatters is, if you look at oil and gas, it's a boring industry. It has a very bad outward-facing um, public you know, figure. People look at, oh, big oil, it's a terrible industry. People don't understand how much it's given us. I mean, there's a direct correlation between having a life that we enjoy here in America and having access to cheap energy. And so we need to be able to maintain that while transitioning to cleaner energy or else, you know, really you run into a case like California where, you know, you have rolling, rolling blackouts and then all of a sudden, you know, your spot price of natural gas is, you know, plus six and, you know, they, they have you know, no energy to energize the state and to sustain that demand. So you have to think about it in a pragmatic manner. How can we transition while also not collapsing our economy and our way of life? Yeah, I'm not willing to give up my quality of life. I, I tr you know, I am not, uh, I truly believe that we have climate change is sort of, yeah, I absolutely. believe absolutely. the science of yeah. it. Um, I, I also believe that um, there's a lot of negative byproduct of emissions, sulfur, and, mm -hmm. and other parts of the emission. And, and I'm not someone who's anti-environmental regulations. Generally, um, I put, you know, I have solar, my house is off the grid. Basically, I have solar running uh, my power grid. But I also understand how important hydrocarbons are, how efficient they are to deliver energy. And until technology is able to mitigate our consumption, we're still gonna, it's gonna be a reality that we have to live with. I'm not willing to give up. My wife is certainly not willing to give up air conditioning. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm not willing to give her up, so I have to have air conditioning yeah. in my house. Um, and there's a lot of things that we enjoy. I think oftentimes people uh, assume that, um, you know, they take these positions that are all oil and gas is bad, but they, they also don't realize how important it is. It's like saying all capitalism is bad. Yeah. While they're on their, Apple phone in, in a Starbucks. <laughs> and so these are just the hypocrisies of modern society, I think, yeah. uh, the world we live in. Well, well, you know, folks that are in our community that are really connected to freight and logistics are obviously exposed to oil and gas. Um, should they be listening to the podcast and taking in the media uh, opportunities? Should they be getting involved in the community? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a ton of uh, shipping and logistics uh, members of our community as it stands already. So, you know, if anyone's listening to this and, you know, they want to discuss our content, you know, you can go on Apple and Spotify, find our podcast, it's Oil and Gas Startups, or you can go on digitalwildcatters.com and start interfacing with the content and reach out to us. We're always happy to talk to people. And yeah, you know, I think that the, uh, the shipping and logistics industry as a whole is very interesting to me. You know, you look at what you guys have done with Freightways and what we've done with Digital Wildcatters, and it's taking these, you know, what, these industries that look boring to the outside world and telling the stories uh, of what's happening in the industry. I think that's, um, you know, that's our main objective. There's a lot of tech innovation, and certainly you could incorporate clean tech into yeah. sort of energy as a broad uh, yeah. description. Yeah. Um, you guys 
are raising capital, lo yep. are looking to raise capital from accredited investors. How can people reach out to you uh, if they want to learn more about your business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a multitude of ways to reach out to me, but my email is calling at digitalwildcatters.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle's at FrackSlap, or I'm on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. Well, appreciate you coming in here today. If you're interested in learning more about Digital Wildcatters, do check out the podcast. Uh, also, be sure to hit the, the website. Um, and if you're interested in what's going on in transportation logistics, we have a lot of virtual events coming up this year. Everything from talking about industrial real estate uh, all the way to space, the intersection of space commercialization and logistics at Spaceways, which will be held in December. It's a partnership with NASA. So we're going to talk about what the future of logistics looks like beyond Earth. Going to need some level of petrochemicals to get up <laughs> into space, I'm sure. Appreciate you coming on today.